Hey, welcome to another episode of the Market Adventures Show. If you haven't heard already, make sure you check out my course on gumroad.com called The Stock Market Solution. It's linked in the show notes. I'm your host, Alex Cunningham, and in this episode, you hear my interview with a salesman from Kentucky. Stay tuned. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey, everybody. So, I got a great guest with me today. His name is Chris Carr. This is one of my boys. We grew up together. And I've been telling him that I wanted to get him on my podcast because a lot of you have been listening to me to try to get this money mindset and to have an understanding of what you can do today or tomorrow to get started on that journey. This man grew up with me. I've seen him go from, from the bottom on his way up to the top. So if anybody can kind of articulate some of the things that I've been seeing to you, better give you a different image, uh, it's definitely Chris. So Chris, go ahead and introduce yourself. Thank you. Thank you. What's up, guys? Chris, 25 years old from Poughkeepsie, New York, originally. Living out here in Louisville, Kentucky now. But um, yeah, like Alex said, I mean, I've known him since we were, I think, sixth grade we met. So I don't know how old that is, 10 years old, something like that, 11 years old. Um, Yeah, deep. So 14, 15 years we've known each other. So yeah, we've definitely seen each other go from go from low and, and um, you know, work our way up the ladder. All right. So the, the, the first thing that really stands out um, – for I'm sure a lot of the listeners is why are you in Kentucky? <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, let's go hit it right on the head. Um, all right. So, and you know what I, so for anyone, anyone who doesn't know, I sell cars for a living. I sold cars at a Hyundai dealership the last two and a half years um, in three different States. And whenever, whenever I have a customer that asks me that my go-to story, which is the truth, everything I was living in Florida. Um, you know, I grew up in New York. Moved to Florida in 2016, just give you the short end of the story. Um, my mom was diagnosed with cancer last April or March or so um, of last year, 2019. So I moved back up to New York in July. Live with my mom for six months until December um, when my then-girlfriend, now-fiance, moved up. Um, my mom passed away January 2nd, 2020. So for everyone who's 2020 sucked, I completely understand the second day of the month. Actually, you know, what's funny when we were ringing in the new year, we had the EMTs at my mom's house. I didn't even see the ball drop for 2020 because we were dealing with my mom and she had, she had fell out of her bed. We I, Crazy story. But anyway, to keep a long story, a long story long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, my mom passed away second, the second of the year. Um, in March, my dealership was going to be uh, furloughing all of us because of COVID. Um, and literally Monday, March 16th, this is kind of how my life goes. Monday, March 16th, my uh, my future mother-in-law called uh, me and my fiance up and basically just said, you know, why don't you guys come down to Kentucky? You know, there's and really I was going through a depression in New York because I was in a place where I've lost a lot of loved ones. My friends were all gone. It was just a really rough. I had already moved out of there, moved back. It was a rough time. So. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. Basically, my mom passed away. COVID happened. My dealership closed, and an opportunity blew. You know, the wind blew me down here. 
that that is that is a hell of a story <laughs> right and i think what stands out to me most was a lot of people ha- are dealing with covid right dealt with covid from the start of the year and a lot of people felt like you know the things that they were dealing with you know the isolation being at home whatever they felt like that was the worst and here you are in the background, unbeknownst to them, going through all of this, right? And here we are standing today. You're on equal the level playing ground. Um, I posted a video not too long ago, and I was talking about how it's so important to read because other people experience these things that we will never have the 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 un, the pleasure or the displeasure to experience right so you have now stepped into that realm be it by choice or not by choice right you have an experience that a lot of people won't ever ever have not only did you have to deal with covid taking your job away you had to deal with you know the universe taking your mother away all at the same time and now you find yourself in a brand new place you know, now you're newly engaged to your fiance, and it's like your whole world flipped upside down in the matter of like four or five months. That is something that a lot of people will never experience. You know, so I mean, when you get rich someday, write a book. I definitely plan to, and it's funny that you said to get a podcast going because I've I wanted to get a podcast going, just kind of share my story and really give other people hope because if I can do it, anybody can do it. There's nothing that makes me any more special than anybody else out there. And yeah, I mean, I had no prior knowledge of anything. I didn't, I wasn't spectacular in school, was never a bookworm. You know, anybody has the opportunity to to really make anything, any to make whatever they want of themselves. Uh, And you, so your talent, right? Your talent in sales and your ability to to give people hope, those are two of the very, very fundamental things you need to be successful, not only in life, but in business. At the heart of all that is the ability to be optimistic ah. and also the, the ability to self-assess, look in the mirror under, and, and fully understand a situation, really. And that's what, that's what makes me good in sales. And I'm not even saying good. I'm, that's what makes me okay. You know, better than your average because I'm I still have a lot a long way to go, but it's just the ability to look at things optimistically. You know that that's really that's the key to, to making you successful. Eric Thomas is one of my favorite. He's my favorite motivational speaker. Period. I listen to him almost daily, and he always talks about he was homeless. He you know he ate out of trash cans. His father left him. His mother was on drugs. All this nonsense, but. If he wasn't optimistic, he wouldn't be almost the number one speaker in the world. If not, he might be number one now. I'm not sure, but if he if it's all about it's all about your optimism. I mean, whether he's whether he's statistically number one or not, I rank him number one. Um, sure, I think, and I, and it goes back to to what you're saying about the optimism. You know, it's one thing to be optimist, uh, to be optimistic, and it's one thing to be able to convey that to other people. You know, one thing that he has that a lot of speakers don't have is he can speak to any crowd. He can speak to anybody of 
any light, you know, coming from any walks of life and give them an energy that they can't find anywhere else. Whereas like a Tony Robbins, you're not going to find Tony Robbins in, you know, in, in South Florida, you know, at, at you know, Miramar High School. You're not going to find Tony Robbins there. He may be a good speaker, but he's not he doesn't have the ability to speak to a crowd from that walk of life like no, Eric Thomas does. Exactly. exactly. Right. Um, OK, so people want people want to talk about money. So we're going to talk we're going to talk about money a little bit. Um, we have a salesman on the call today. Right. So I guess one thing I, I really want to I really want to ask you is how do you make sales less intimidating? For people, um, and I, I'm asking you that. I'm starting off with that because you gave us this passionate story, but you also have to convey an energy of optimism to people when you're selling to them, even though you have all this stuff going on in the background. So, how do you make op- how do you make sales less scary for people so they can see kind of that it's possible for them too? So how do you give that optimism to salespeople? It's a great question, honestly. And I, I work with this almost every day because I try and bring up the people around me. Um, first and foremost, I noticed it. All right. Let's start for the people who aren't in sales. Mo, like 90% of the time, people are afraid to go into sales just because they're afraid of the commission. They're afraid. And that's that's a problem with this world. People are afraid to go out there on a limb and put their paycheck on their own back. Rather than going in and punching a clock and knowing that I'm going to make $14 an hour at 40 hours a week making this every single week, I have no idea what I'm going to make any day. You can't be scared. You can't be scared. Money don't make no money, right? So you, <laughs> you, you really, and this is true. You can't be afraid. Like you, first and foremost, you can't be afraid. For the people who are in sales, it's just sports, man. Just and I was listening to one of your videos the other day. You were talking about baseball players, and it's funny to hear you talk about baseball because. If anybody knows you, you're not, not the biggest baseball player. I'm not player. a baseball player. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's the same thing in baseball. I mean, like, Derek Jeter is one, one of, in my opinion, the greatest Yankee of all time. Nonetheless, a, a great hitter. Ted Williams, one of the greatest hitters of all time. I believe, and don't quote me on this, but I think his lifetime average might have been over 400 or definitely not at least high 300s. The, the best hitter ever in baseball is only hitting a ball three to four out of ten times. In sales, it's the numbers game. You know what I'm saying? So how to stay positive is just you realize you're not going to close every deal. Everyone's not a buyer, and that's fine. And you just have to keep it moving. Every deal is a new deal. And <laughs> the quote that, that helps me in my day-to-day life and in my like overall in my life and what I try and portray to people is the rest of the day will be the best of my day. The rest of the week will be the best of my week. rest of the month will be the best of my month. Rest of the year will be the best of my year. Rest of my life will be the best of my life. So like as a salesperson, when you're in the dealership and you get that customer who's just looking, who's not buying today, you know they're not buying. You know you're not going to make any money off of them. You know, chances are you're never even going to see them again. Instead of getting pissed off and, you know, feeling discouraged, you just turn it back around. Boom, snap out of it. The rest of my day is going to be the best of my day. The next deal is going to be the best deal. And that's it. You just, I don't know. It sounds a lot easier than it is because, like, to stay optimistic is is difficult. But no, 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 no. But you, you, you said it, and every word you've said so far, right? It, you've expanded on, on, on that very, very concept you just said about you know you're making it sound easier than it is, right? 
that very phrase itself is limiting, right? And a lot of people, when they hear some, you know, when they hear like an Eric Thomas speak or they hear you speak or Tony Robbins, that's the first thing that snaps into their head, right? It's it's the way you you're putting it makes it easier than it sounds. You don't know what I'm dealing with when you know you said you know your your mother passed away, coronavirus, you, you know, whole new place, and you're working in you know a very cutthroat industry, right? Cutthroat, not cutthroat in the sense that it's 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 evil or mean, but cutthroat in the sense that like if you don't get up and work, you know, you're gonna put yourself in a bad position. The reality of it is, right, is it is that easy because you say to yourself that it can only get better, right? You you have a mantra that you use every day that it can only get better. If you tell yourself it can only get better, who's to tell you it can't? Right? For one of my one thing that I uh, one thing that I picked up a couple of years ago was that I talk to myself a lot, and I and I and you know people who hear or see see me talk to myself. There's always a question. My mother, especially, because I used to talk to myself a lot around the house when we lived together, and she would always, "Who are you talk? You talk to yourself again?" But like, I heard someone say this once. Like, that's the best conversation I'm gonna have all day, ever, because I, I, I am the person that's always going to pick me up. And if it's not me picking me up, the rest of the world's gonna drag me down. The world is not there to pick you up. Well, let me stop. Right, me stop you right there. Which you're, which you're absolutely right. However, just as easily as you can pick yourself up, you can also put yourself down. Now, when you can look in the mirror and realize that, when when there's some days where I'm feeling sad and I go into the dealership and I don't feel like doing what I'm I, what I have to do, I look at myself and it's like the Eric Thomas says, "Nothing happens to you; it happens because of you." I'm not in a bad mood because of the things around me. I'm in a bad mood because I'm in a bad mood. And it's yeah, up to yeah. me to snap out of it and get out of the mood. So what do you do when you – okay, so this is this is the real scary part. The scary part is not even so much for people who are selling. It's not even so much having the product and being in a position to sell. It's the the fear of the fear of failure. What are your thoughts on on failure? What are your thoughts on, like you said, when you have that person you're talking to and you need to sell a car, but they're not interested in buying a car – how do you deal with that failure after that person walks away? Honestly, first of all, it's, to me, there's no failure. Like I don't fail. If I don't sell a car, it's, they didn't buy the car. So first and foremost, in, in sales and especially selling cars, when I became better as a salesperson, I flipped my philosophy from selling cars to helping people buy cars. Nice. So there when you I go. sit down with a client, I'm going to do whatever I can to help them buy a car as well as keep as much profit in my in my pocket as I can. Let's profit's not a bad word. So I don't have a failure. I have I have a lesson, I have a trial run. You know, like if if I sit down with a customer and they tell me from the get-go, "Listen, Chris, I'm not buying today. You know, I'm I'm just doing my research. I'm trying to look at this this and that car, you know, this, you know, whatever whatever whatever." I'll say, "Okay, hey, no worries. We can do whatever you want and get you all the information." I'm going to do whatever I can in my power to help you buy that car right then if you want to. If you don't want to buy the car, I'm not going to push you into it. So getting back to it, there's no failure because if I didn't close a sale, one, there's always something to learn from it. There's always a, a somewhere you can do a little better. 
whether it's in your fact finding and, and your qualifying questions in the beginning, or when you're doing your product demonstration, there's something that you picked up on that you could do a little better next time. Every it's always like everything moves forward. There is no failure in life. Like everything moves forward. Like for instance, I had, I had this wrestling match my senior year. It went to triple overtime, blah, blah, blah. I ended up losing by a couple points because he got back points in the last like eight seconds of the match. I'll never forget it. But nonetheless, I got up and, and there it, it wasn't a failure. I might have lost, but like, I don't know. It just, it, it propels you forward. You, you always learn something from your losses. So it's not a failure. It could be a loss, you know, whatever. If you didn't, if you didn't complete the objective, it is what it is, but learn from it. If you don't learn from it and you don't get any lessons from your losing, then you're failing. And that's why I don't fail because I'm always learning from my lessons. And that's the uh. ability to self-assess, to look back at your actions, how they affect people, how other people's actions affected you, and just being able to analyze the situation. Okay. Okay. So let's we'll, we're gonna get we'll get deep on this one, right? So you said, you know, there's no for you. There's no such thing as failure. Do you? Can you look back in your life besides the wrestling match, and think of any moment where it was so devastating that until you became an adult, you thought it was failure, right? Before you you were able to reassess it, you know, years later or whatever, that you felt it was a failure at the time. Can you think of any moments like that? Um, honestly, I I feel like we all deal with that every day. All right. So getting back, honestly, to answer back your question, I went to school for criminal justice. I don't work in that field at all. I also went to school for physical education for one semester. And obviously, I don't work in that field at all. Those both were failures to me, especially when I went to Queens College for a semester. I don't even know if you know about this, but um, I lived in Queens for a half a year. And anyway, it was to me, it was a it was a huge failure. But looking back on it, it was a great place to meet friends. I got to live in New York City, which a lot of people don't ever get that opportunity to do. A lot of people I've met down here has never even been in New York City. And I got the opportunity to live there for six months. Like, that was awesome. So really something like that, I mean, I look back on it. It's just like, you know what? I might have a little student debt, but I have some of the best friends I've ever, I've ever made. I still keep in contact with a lot of college friends. And like, I don't know. It just and really that taught me that college wasn't my way to go. So my failure in college was my was my eye opener nice. to say, hey, this isn't what you're supposed to do. And then I got into sales and started selling cars. And there's a kid at my dealership, 19, 20 years old. Last year he was nineteen years old, and he made like one hundred and twenty, hundred thirty thousand dollars. There's doctors that make that much. He's twenty years old, has no college experience. So my failure in college really showed me that that college wasn't my failure. Then my failure was really just not applying to myself to myself since I got out of high school. Right. Right. And, and that perspective, you know, having a little time and being able to, you know, grow up a little bit and mature a little bit, allows you to look back on it and, you know, reassess it and not see it as a failure so much as it, it was more of like, you were just, you were just ruling things out. It's a growing pain, right? It's yeah. a growing pain. Hundred percent, hundred percent. As you can tell, just by the way that he speaks, you know, very mature. He offers a a very very different perspective, and also he has he has a a hands on um, experience in a field. When we're talking about money, right? He has a hands on experience in one of the most fundamental parts of being 
financially successful, right? There's Mark Zuckerberg and, and Elon Musk can be as smart as they want to. If they can't sell, their company does not get off the ground, right? So every successful person financially has had to have the ability to sell. So I think having Chris on here more often um, will definitely benefit all of us. Uh, getting his insights on you know some of the fundamental things uh, uh, that have to do with sales and his growth in the process and kind of give you some tips and tricks like I talk about the stock market and I'm giving you tips and tricks every day that I that I learn you know he can gives us give he can give us some some insight into the the mind of a salesman and kind of how to get over those humps psychology of the sale and going back to things like phone scripts like you and I worked on that day or I had to set up an email script to to send to doctor's offices. I had to send up a different email script to send to school districts for my pen sanitizer, by the way, which is um, thepensanitizer.com. Nice, nice. Beautiful Let's talk product. About it. Let's um, talk about it. Beautiful product. It's it's a small block. Um, it's only a couple inches. Um, I think it's about three or four inches long and about two to three inches high. What it is, it's a sanitizing block that will mount on your counter or your wall in your office, school, classroom, uh, at the DMV, where you go drinking on a Friday nights when you want a clean pen, while, whether you're at your local bank, if you have your own store, whatever it is. I actually just um, sold one to a chiropractor's, uh, chiropractor's office this afternoon. Basically, instead of sanitizing pens and having one of your workers take the time out of their day and out of the productivity of your own business to actually spray down or wipe down pens, spending money on your Clorox wipes as well as extra hand sanitizer just to sanitize them. You put this block on your counter, you slide a pen right through it and it sanitizes the pen on the way through. Now there's a a specially made sanitizing gel right on the inside of the box that when you slide the pen in, the whole pen gets submerged and flows through this sanitizing liquid. When it comes out the other side, the pen's completely dry and completely sanitized and ready to use to go ahead and sign whatever you need. When the customer, when the person's done using the pen, they just simply slide it in the other side and it just sits in the block and waits getting sanitized until the next person comes and picks it up. Thepensanitizer.com. Okay. And we'll have, we'll have the link in the show notes. Um, so definitely go to the show notes and check it out. So the, the pen sanitizer, um, just, just, to, just touch on a little bit, right? I work in the medical field and I, I know a lot of our offices we have to have people sign paperwork, um, and, and it, it's exactly what you said. It's exactly what you said. It's either you know they just take the pen. So I've been at one place where there's just a bucket of pens, and when you take it and you sign the paper, you just keep the pen, um, which is obviously not very cost effective. Definitely. Not. And and then there's a there's also you know the the pen attached to the clipboard that nobody notices, nobody pays attention to, which is also not very good. And then there's a pen attached to the clipboard that people will use like an alcohol wipe and wipe off. Um, it is like you said, if you can just kind of like plop this thing there and just leave a pen in there and just, you know, instruct, you know, please return when you're done. That is very, very beneficial to everybody, especially given that the coronavirus is not gone yet. It is definitely very, very beneficial to to be able to have that cleanliness in your office, if not for the financial um, benefit, but to to kind of pass along that, that safety um, to your onto your customers and your employees as well. Absolutely. And people, and you know, it's funny, I just got an email yesterday, which really just, it, it piqued my interest. It set off a light bulb. 
yesterday, and I again I saw cars for Hyundai. I got an email from Hyundai directly saying that it was just uh it was basically just a newsletter on how the kind of reviews that we've been getting from customers all around the country and dealerships about COVID and how customers have been saying that, you know, salespeople or service advisors might not be wearing their masks when they're supposed to. And, you know, we might not be social distancing. The chairs are too close together, whatever, whatever. But the biggest thing that was on there said there wasn't sanitized pens available for us to use. And I saw that. It's like, boom, now I got a snap on it. Now I got to contact Hyundai directly. Let me contact the big boys and hunt. No, let me stop. Let me stop. It's <laughs> too much for y'all. Let me hey, come to a dealership any, near you. If anybody, if anybody can get the, if anybody can get the deal t- deal done, you know, we know it's you, Chris. Um, so thanks for stopping by today. Like I said, we're gonna have you on uh, regularly because I feel like as much information as I can give them, I am still you know one man, um, and it it would be nice to have uh, another perspective of somebody who is immersed in, like I said, a fundamental part of the financial process of being able to to sell either yourself or to sell a product. So I really appreciate, you know, we really appreciate having you on. And um, my, pleasure, you have, my pleasure. If you have any last words of like inspiration uh, to the listeners, I, I'd love for you to share it. If you're in sales, you always got to sell yourself first. I know what you just said, you know, whether you want to sell yourself or sell a product, it all goes hand in hand. First, you must sell yourself to have people trust you, and then they will sell your product. I will never have a customer buy a car from me that they don't trust me, ever. So first and foremost, I must sell myself. And that's you anywhere in your life. You must sell yourself. Even when you wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, sell yourself. Say, you know, look in the mirror and say, why do I want to eat healthy today? Why do I need to exercise today? Why am I going to eat better than I did yesterday? Why am I going to why am I going to do the right things today that I know I should do, that I know I should have been doing but I've been neglecting for myself? Why should I do that? All right. Well, thanks Chris. Uh we'll see you next time. My pleasure. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed this episode with my interview with Chris. And he'll be on later on to teach us a lot more about the mindset of a salesman, which is so crucial to becoming financially free. I've linked my stock market course, the Stock Market Solution, down in the show notes. You've been listening to the Market Adventure Show. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. But most importantly, share the show with friends and family who need to hear this information. Because again, The more we reach, the more people we can free. Until next time.